We're thankful today to be joined by former United States Congressman and former President of SIU, uh, Dr. Glenn Bouchard. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Will. Really the first time that you and I uh, got to speak at any length together was at the uh, funeral of Stephen Haynes, who was a mutual friend uh, from Carbondale. And I remember as we were uh, sitting there uh, preparing for that day, you began to tell me about um, being a a kid, basically, from, uh, you know, southeastern Illinois and, uh, you know, running a trap line and, and, you know, just growing up very (laughs) rural. Um, And those were things that I did not know about you, those rural things that were a part of your growing up. Sure. Uh, I grew up in the Southern Hill section of White County. Um, My dad uh, only had one arm. He got his uh, left arm shot off in a hunting accident when he was 13 years old. So he lived his whole life with one arm and he loved the outdoors. Um, We didn't have any land. We had a little 10 acre red clay plot that my grandfather had given my mom and dad to build a little house on. uh, anyway, uh, Dad hunted and trapped and fished for a living. Uh, he he hunted. Uh, uh, we had a bunch of coon dogs, and we hunted at night when the season was in, and we would catch uh, catch coons uh, and, and skin those uh, coons and sell the hides. Uh, he, he ran uh, probably 125 traps on the Wabash River and uh, uh, trapped mink and muskrat. And uh, we'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning run, start running those trap lines, the same thing. And we had a fur buyer that lived not far from our home, about uh, six, seven miles that bought for the St. Louis Fur Company. And so, Daddy, that's how he made a living. Uh, he hunted and trapped, and then he ran nets on the Wabash River uh, from spring through, oh, probably the end of October or so, and uh, and sold fish. But uh, that's how we lived, and we lived out in the hill country there. Uh, uh, we walked two and a half miles to a two-room schoolhouse in a little village called Harold. Um, and, uh, it was all family and all friends and the, um, the, the center of, uh, our life growing up was the little Chapman's Grove General Baptist Church. And it was all, uh, all folks that we knew, uh, as I said, uh, mom, mom, uh, her mission in life was to round up all the kids and get us to church four times a week, you know? So, uh, uh that's how we made our living. Uh, and uh, Daddy, uh, sometimes he would uh, tenant uh, farm uh, a little land down in a bend in the Wabash River, uh, but that didn't turn out much. But anyway, we grew up in that rural atmosphere and uh, loved every minute of it. Uh, people were friends. They were neighbors. Uh, we killed our own meat. Um, uh, we slaughtered hogs every fall. Uh, all the neighbors would gather around and and uh, slaughter the hogs, and we hung it, uh, salted it down, hung it up in the smokehouse for the winter. It was just a, it was just a very rural uh, upbringing, and uh, you know the church played a big role in it. Of course, uh, so did the neighbors and friends. There was no crime anywhere, uh, and uh, you know uh, that's that's how I grew up until I uh, had to uh, graduated. Uh, eighth grade and went to Carmi High School 
and I had to ride on a bus for a, a, over an hour and a half each morning because we lived nearly 20 miles from the school and we had to circle through the hills and so on. And uh, it was a school of about uh, close to 700 kids. And boy, you talk about getting getting uh, lost in a new atmosphere. <laughs> I was pretty lost. Well, I, I think that it is a... Uh, compelling life story. The book is uh, Son of Southern Illinois, Glenn Pichard's Life and Politics and Education from uh, Trap Lines on the Wabash uh, River Banks to uh, the Halls of United States uh, Congress. It's um, in part written by Carl Walworth. And so uh, tell us about the, uh, the process about writing this book and who Carl is. Well, Carl, um, uh, if you remember, uh, Will, uh, many years ago, um, the Southern Illinois District was split three ways, and I ran for the district over on the east end of the state, and it extended all the way north uh, through Decatur, Illinois, up through Mattoon and Charleston. And it was the first time I met Carl Walworth. He was the um, editor and later publisher of the Mattoon and the Charleston newspapers in Coles County. And over a period of my service uh, in Congress representing that area, I got to know Carl quite well. He interviewed me several times. After he retired, he uh, decided that he wanted to write uh, books and uh, books about people. And uh, anyway, uh, he came down to uh, Southern Illinois, uh, I guess, six years ago now and was uh, going through things at the SIU library on another book that he had written. And we had lunch together and uh, talked about this book, actually a gentleman named Bob Ellis, who had begun some research on it. And I was telling Carl about that. And he said, uh, well, I'd like to give this thing a shot. And that's how it happened. Um, he decided to write the book um, about my life and my career. And, um, uh, you know, it just. So in the process of working with Carl on this uh book. Uh, I assume that you just sat for interviews for a period of time and, and just sort of recorded your life story. Is that right? Yes, uh, there were many interviews. Um, he interviewed uh, my Washington staff as well as the staff back here in the district. Uh, he interviewed uh, various people with whom I had worked over the years in my profession. Um, Talked to a lot of people, uh, spent a lot of times in the SIU archives. Um, took him five years to, to write the book. Um, I wasn't aware of the process you go through in getting a book written, especially with a university press. Uh, once you get a manuscript together, then they send it off to readers around the country. And then those readers send it back with their comments and you have to make revisions. And then it's sent out again uh, to, to readers. And then it's, uh, it goes before the board of the press. And then <laughs> after they have looked at it, it has to be edited totally. It's a long, drawn-out process, uh, which I, I wrote, wasn't familiar with. It's the only book like this that I've ever uh, attempted to uh, help write. What do you think is the most interesting part about your life story, Glenn? 
Well, uh, the most interesting part uh, to me uh, is later in my uh, later in the book. Uh, I think it's chapter uh, twenty-five or twenty-six. Uh, well, uh, when I was in the Illinois State Senate, uh, my son uh, rode up to Springfield with me one day, and. Um, he, and uh, I, I often rode back and forth to Springfield with my friend Senator Ralph Dunn. Uh, Ralph was a Republican, as you know. I was a Democrat. And at the end of the week, after my son spent uh, the week up there with me, just uh, kind of observing everything, we got back home, and I said, "Son, uh, what, what what was the most interesting part of the week for you?" And he said, "Dad, the most interesting part for me." was the ride up and back with you and Ralph Dunn. And I said, well, why? He said, well, because you guys talked about, you know, uh, bills. You, you laughed a lot about constituent uh, uh, constituents in your districts. You, you uh, talked to each other and so on. And he said, uh, Dad, how did we get from you and Ralph Dunn to where we are today? And, uh, you know, it caused me to really put some thought into that and I, I I didn't quite know how to answer him will um, but but it's an important question that my son asked and um, you know I did my best to answer it in that chapter 26 because uh, it seemed to me when I was in the Illinois State Senate and we had uh, Governor Thompson and uh, Phil Rock as president of the Senate when there were difficult issues, and this, this included uh, later as I worked with uh, Governor Edgar, when there were difficult issues, the party leaders went out and had dinner together. And uh, they, they were friends, and they worked with each other across party lines. They would come back to the individual caucuses, and they'd say, okay, here's, here's what we have thought about and agreed on, and here's what the Republicans get. Here's what the Democrats get. Here's the middle ground we found. And pretty much they would have the votes between the two caucuses that they needed to move forward. Today, that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be that both parties want to have it all their own way. And you can't do that. You know, um, in my judgment, the Ocasio-Cortez... Uh, on the one side and the Mary Taylor Greens on the other shouldn't be spokespeople for the parties. Uh, you have uh, much greater people on both ends of the continuum that are experienced, knowledgeable, love this country, and can figure these things out. But for some reason or the other, it seems like the media wants to go to those folks who want to who want to fight, who want to live out on the extremes. And um, I, I thought the question my son asked me uh, was an important question that, that, that every American needs to think about and answer. You know, along those lines, I feel as if the demise of the rural Democrat in Illinois has changed the face or the shape of Illinois politics over the last 20 years. And, um, you know, you're a person who I think many people would say is a uh, 
you know, a rural blue dog Democrat. I mean, you're you're pro-life, and that seems to be a position that is difficult to take in the uh, Democratic Party these days. When I kind of talk around that issue, uh, does that resonate with you at all? Well, yeah, it does in a way. Um, uh, I, I am pro-life. I grew up in a church. I, I say in the book that, you know, in the little hill country church in which I grew up, my mother had us in church on Wednesday night, Saturday night, Sunday, and Sunday night. And so uh, the, the, that issue to me is a matter of personal principle. Um, and I, I don't think that uh, uh, it sh- a person should be ostracized because of their position on that issue. Um, I, I, I certainly was during my run for governor. There's no question about that. But, uh, but there's, a, there's a broader uh, thing, uh, uh, Will, I think that I've seen take place in the country today. Um, the Democrat Party has become much more urbanized um, in, its, uh, in its thinking and in its mission. Um, I think in the last election, if I remember correctly, Donald Trump came to Evansville, Indiana, I believe he came to either Cape Girardeau or Paducah, or maybe both. He came here to uh, Murfreesboro at the airport out here. I know he was in Granite City. The focus was on downstate rural Illinois. You can't get a Democrat presidential candidate to come downstate anymore in Illinois to campaign. Uh, So the parties have decidedly staked out territory um, that that, you know, uh, my, I, I mean, I wish we could get President Biden for, to, to come to southern Illinois, but it's not going to happen uh, because the Democrat uh, uh, concentration in Illinois is in the cities as it is throughout most of the country. Glenn Bouchard is with us today. Uh, I don't want to get too much further into the country without mentioning the fact that I believe you're going to be in Murfreesboro very soon. Uh, doing an event surrounding the book. Can you tell us about that? Yes, uh, Will. We've been, uh, we've been doing several book signings around uh, southern and central Illinois uh, throughout my old congressional districts. If you remember, I served in two different congressional districts uh, after the redistricting in 1990. And, uh, Will, I'm, I'm walking to my office right now because I want to make sure of that date that I'm going to be in Murfreesboro. Uh, folks have been very kind to me uh, at the book signings and so on. And um, we scheduled one at the Murfreesboro Library. I want to make sure I have the right date here. It is um, uh, September the 22nd from 11 to 12.30 at the Murfreesboro Library. The folks were very kind there. Um, we're uh, we're going to be over in uh, Chester and up at Ducoin um, this Saturday, uh, nine at the Chester Library and eleven at the Ducoin Library, and then uh, on the twenty second we'll be at the library in Murfreesboro and the uh, from eleven to twelve thirty. And then from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Carterville Library. Dr. Glenn Pichard is with us. Um, recently, the uh, Transportation Education Center at Southern Illinois University was named in your honor. And, you know, that I think is just 
one indicator of the um, high profile that you have held in Southern Illinois for many years. Um, have you enjoyed your life out of public office? I really have, Will. Um, it, 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 my wife and I decided uh, after the night we lost the election to uh, Secretary Ryan in 1998, we got up the next morning and we said, okay, what's the next step? What do we want to do here? And um, uh, we decided that we wanted to work with abused, neglected, and abandoned children. It seems like when I was campaigning for governor across the state, almost every town hall meeting that I would have, someone would get up and say, well, if you become governor, what are you going to do about these abused children? And I did not realize at the time that that was a problem that was so great. Um, and uh, we decided that we wanted to form a foundation to help support these children. And we did that. And next year we'll be celebrating our 25th anniversary. Uh, Johnny Logan College has been nice enough to give us a room there uh, to house our foundation and some uh, computer support. But folks across the region have been very supportive of that foundation and we have taken care of hundreds, well, helped take care of hundreds and thousands of abused, neglected, and abandoned children over the past 25 years. And I think that's been the most enjoyable part of my life, although it's been very difficult for us uh, in what we see uh, happening in so many families. Um, so that we've enjoyed, we've enjoyed the opportunity to help those children more than anything. You referenced your run for a governor against Secretary Ryan in 1998. Uh, when you reflect back on that campaign these days, which I'm sure is a part of the new book, uh, Glenn Pichard's Life and Politics and Education, uh, there's an upcoming event in Murfreesboro on September the 22nd where you can purchase the book and get it signed. But when you reflect on that uh, campaign, is there one thing that uh, you wish perhaps you would have done differently? Well, I can't I can't think that, that I would have done anything differently. I, I took a lot of criticism from a lot of folks in my own party for not taking the PAC monies. Uh, but I still believe that I was right on that point, Will. Um, uh, when, I, when I went to Washington to Congress, I saw how thoroughly that raising money had infiltrated the system. Um, I, I can't remember the exact words, but the first week I was there, the freshman Democrats met with the DCCC, and uh, that's the Democrat uh, Congressional Campaign Committee. And we were told that from that point on, we needed to raise at least $1,000 a day, every day of the year, if we were going to survive our next race. Now, that's not peculiar to the Democrat Party. That's both parties. Money has become so overwhelmingly important to winning. And uh, uh, I, I, I decided that uh, I didn't want to sign those PAC agreements uh, to guarantee my vote on certain issues. 
uh, because I learned a lot in Congress. And I didn't, after a couple of years in Congress, I didn't feel the same way about some issues that I felt going into Congress. But once you've taken the money and once you've committed to that position, uh, it's very difficult to change. And so, you know, just as a, for instance, today, state rep races around this country are, are costing more than a million dollars a year, or maybe two or three million dollars to run for state rep. This last election for governor in the state of Illinois, we had four people running who were actually billionaires. And, um, you, you know, the influence of money is just uh, taken over the system. And when you, when you combine that with the idea that uh, different parties, depending upon the state, uh, completely control the system uh, and they gerrymander the districts so that people don't really have a choice uh, of, of their candidates because 95% or better of incumbents win re-election because that's the way the maps are cut up. And, um, and between the gerrymandering and the incumbents getting all of the money, you know, the choice is already made for the people. They go vote, but uh, but 95% of the time, the person that holds the office is going to win. Glenn Pichard is with us today. His new book is called Son of Southern Illinois, Glenn Pichard's Life in Politics and Education. I uh, assume that people can buy this book uh, online via siupress.com. Uh, they can. Uh, they can go to Amazon.com. They can go to BarnesandNoble.com, uh, SIUPress.com, or uh, if they want to come to the book signing, uh, we do a, a little bit of a reading and, uh, and then uh, sign the books and so on, and they can purchase them at the book signings also. So... You, of course, a big part of this book is also your time as president of SIU. We saw just yesterday that there was a announcement that there had been a 2.3% increase in uh, enrollment. Uh, when you uh, reflect on your time there and then, of course, the various uh, enrollment struggles that SIU has had, uh, do you have any thoughts or feelings about it? Well, I do, Will. I, I was very proud of my time there. Obviously, anybody that's a university president is going to have some ups and downs during your tenure. But um, 2014, which was the last year that I served, uh, we saw the enrollment. Uh, I think that was the last year we had an enrollment increase. Um, since then, we've lost a lot of students. Um we lost some students during my tenure, but so did every uh, public university in the state of Illinois, with the exception of uh, University of Illinois, uh, because we have an outflux of students from Illinois to neighboring states. In this area, particularly, uh, we have a lot of students from Southern Illinois that go to Southeast Missouri, that go to Murray State. They go to University of Southern Indiana over at Evansville. Uh, so we have we have tremendous competition here for Southern Illinois students that other universities in the state aren't surrounded by three neighboring states. So enrollment is difficult here, more difficult than most, but we've seen a decline in enrollment in higher education for a number of years uh, in, in, in this country. The um, uh, I, I loved SIU. 
I have all three of my degrees from SIU. Uh, I was most proud of the fact that uh, when I left as president, we still had the lowest uh, uh, tuition and fees in the state of Illinois in both the doctoral granting institution at Carbondale and the master's degree uh, granting institution at Edwardsville. I was very proud of that. Uh, when I got out of the Army in 1965, uh, SIU was the choice of almost all the kids in Southern Illinois. And uh, we came here, tuition was low, I had the GI Bill. Uh, I, I benefited tremendously in my life from what this university has given me. And it was such an honor for me, uh, Will, to be able to give back in service and, and so on to, to my alma mater. Well, just a couple more questions for you before we let you go today. Uh, when you are in the roles that you've been in publicly, you're subject to a lot of criticism, uh, both as a congressman and then as uh, SIU president. Um, over the years, did any of that criticism ever get to you? No, uh, it doesn't get to you in the sense that you become so uh, – angry or frustrated or whatever that you cease to take your eye off of the goal uh, you expect criticism will when you're in government uh, uh, when i would have town meetings and i, I, I love town meetings uh, i would most of the folks that show up at town meetings are the folks that are anti they're folks that were against the vote that you cast or a position that you hold and and you know, I always uh, took that as an opportunity to explain my position, because as a member of Congress, you're privileged to a lot of information that the general public doesn't see or doesn't get to see because, you know, committees investigate, people turn up with research and so on. So you have a broader spectrum of uh, knowledge and information than a regular person uh, on the street would have. So uh, town, town meetings give you the opportunity then to discuss with the people why you voted the way you voted, why you took the position you took, you know, based upon that wider range of information that you have. I always took the attitude that people have the absolute right to their opinion, to their vote, uh, they can show up and criticize me all they want. I'm not going to let that uh, do anything other than the possibility of giving me more insight into their position where I might uh, need to change or at least modify my position. But I always took those meetings and that criticism uh, in a way that I could, I could turn it into something constructive. Anybody that goes into government service or politics and uh, is so thin-skinned that they can't take the criticism, you're just not going to last long. and You're not going to sleep very well at night either. <laughs> Do you get frustrated at times? Sure. People get frustrated in their jobs for different reasons. But I never, I never took that as personal. I never took it as, um, uh, as, as something other than a learning experience for myself. Glenn, we really appreciate your time today. And again, the events uh, that are coming up, uh, one of which will be September the 22nd from 10 a.m. until or 11 a.m., I believe, till 1230 yeah. p.m. at the uh, Murphy Sproul Sally Logan Library. Um, I'll give you the final word. 
Well, thank you. It's been a joy for me to uh, to talk to you and uh, uh, be on your show, and I really appreciate it. And I hope folks will come to the book signing. Thank you so much.